This show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. Every week, you'll learn about alternative ways to improve your health and well-being using the healing power of botanicals such as cannabinoids. Here's your host, Lola Ahanba. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on episode 13 of Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O. I'm Dr. Lola Ahamba. I'm a clinical pharmacist. I'm certified in medical cannabis. I'm also the CEO of WCI Health, Alternative Health and Wellness Store. At WCI Health, we help people get and stay well using the healing powers of botanical. Thank you for joining this episode. On today's episode, we will be looking at the role of cannabinoid in the management of arthritis. But before we get into the, today's details, uh, let me just say a shout out to our sponsor. This show is sponsored by WCI Health. Uh, WCI Health, we help people get and stay well using the healing parts of botanicals such as cannabinoid. They are the manufacturers of uh, Glow's Beauty. It's a line of uh, health and skincare uh, CBD-infused products. So do check their products out online at wci-health.com. We also carry uh, high-quality CBD product, tincture, uh, uh, ointment, whatever you need, and also a product for your pets. So do check it out online at wcil.com. Also, I would like to say thank you to our sponsors, all our sponsors. We want to say thank you for those that are supporting us. And if you have not joined uh, or subscribed to the show yet, please do subscribe. Uh, there is a link on our website where you can subscribe. And to be a sponsor, to be a donor to this show, to support this show, you can uh, check any information that you need on the website or sign up with our Patreon group. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. On today's show, we'll be looking at the role of cannabinoid in the management of arthritis. So what is uh, arthritis? Uh, when you hear the word arthritis, people think, oh, this is supposed to be uh, older people for elderly population. These are the people that are affected by this condition. Not at all. Arthritis is like an umbrella word that has over a hundred subcategories of uh, inflammatory disorder. So basically, arthritis involves inflammations of your joints, all the joints of the body is inflamed. And when this happens, people experience swelling, they experience pain at the joints. So they have so many arthritis conditions. So it's not just for elderly population, it also affects younger population. So what are the signs and symptoms of arthritis? It involves swelling and tenderness of various joints of the body. It involves stiffness, decrease in uh, motion range. The symptom worsens with age and can become a chronic condition. Arthritis is the leading cause of disability here in the United States. And arthritis pain can result in inability to do basic daily work tasks, such as uh, walking, climbing, 
or even opening a bottle. Just to open a bottle can become really, really stressful for people going through this condition. So we have various uh, arthritis conditions. Example is osteoarthritis that we call OA, rheumatoid arthritis, that's the autoimmune disorder. Then we also have psoriatic arthritis, these are autoimmune disorder. We have gout, this has to do with inflammation of the more of a dietary arthritis apart from a rheumatoid arthritis. So today, like I said, we will be focusing on uh, OA, osteoarthritis. What is osteoarthritis? In our upcoming episode, we will look at the rheumatoid arthritis, we will look at psoriatic arthritis, and we will also look at gout. But today we focus on OA. So what is OA? This is a degenerative disorder. The cartilage is between the joint of the bone and the cartilage prevents the bone from grinding against each other. So all parts of the joints of our body has a cartilage. It's kind of a slippery, very slippery. It's not a bone, but it's in form of a bone, but it's not really a bone. It's kind of slippery. So when bones glide on it, it makes the bone easier to move. Also, the cartilage is surrounded by what we call synovial fluid. This fluid also helps in the range of motion in every joint of our body. So just like I said, cartilage prevents the bones from rubbing against each other. So as time goes on, as we age, this uh, cartilage begins to wear. The wear and tears of our lives uh, reduce the cartilage that we have in the joint. And when this happens, the bones uh, begins to rub against each other. So when the bones start rubbing against each other, that's when we start experiencing uh, pain. People start experiencing pain at the joint. And as the pain progresses, it can start affecting the fluid surrounding the cartilage and the bone. That is the synovial fluid. When this part of the body is inflamed, then you have uh, not just pain, then you have swelling, which we also call inflammation of the joint. So for osteoarthritis, what are the symptoms that we can see from osteoarthritis? Some of the symptoms, like I said, are pain, swelling. This is due to the inflammation of the soft tissue surrounding the affected joint. Even though we have bones in our joint, we also have soft tissue surrounding these bones. So inflammation of these areas of the body leads to pain and swelling. There's also stiffness and tenderness. There's a reduced flexibility. And that will make sense. You know, when you are going through pain, when you have a swollen ankle or swollen finger, you don't want to move so much. So you start feeling that tenderness. Because of that tenderness, you are unable to move. So that reduces flexibility. And as time goes on, if this is not managed uh, effectively, it can also result in what we call bone spots. So what are the risks of osteoarthritis? Age is a big factor as everything in life is all about age. As we grow older, uh, our body also cannot become rebellious sometimes. So the older we are, the greater the risk of us having uh, osteoarthritis. Also, uh, it also affects sexes. 
And what I mean by that is for the female uh, populations, they tend to be affected more than the, uh, than the male counterparts. And also people that have uh, on the heavy side uh, obesity. And that will also make sense with the extra weight that is, or pressure that is being exerted on the joints of the body. This can also lead to OA of the weight-bearing part of our body, like the hip bones and the knees. And apart from uh, obesity, age, sex, also this can be a genetic uh, related, you can have a genetic predisposition to, to this disease. So that we can't really explain why some people will have the tendency to have one disease and some people do not have the same tendency. Basically, it could be due to mutation. When the genes are mutated, things changes in our lives. So apart from a uh, genetic predisposition, Diseases like diabetes are also a risk factor for osteoarthritis. So what are the complications, the results of having this disease? Some of the complications that result from osteoarthritis include uncontrolled pain. This could lead to a reduced qualities of life. And that will make sense. When we go through pain, really, you, you're not able to do a lot of things. You're not able to have fun when you're going through pain. So this can reduce quality of life. Apart from that, when you are not going through, you are not having fun like you wanted to have fun, this could lead to depression. So some of the results of disease like osteoarthritis could result in depression. It could result in sleep disorder. And that will also make sense. If you are going through pain, you have a swollen ankle, swollen feet, you can't sleep. So all these other diseases tend to interwoven when we talk of uh, painful conditions like OE. So I'm sure some people will say, so how do we cure? What are the cure for this condition? There is really no cure for osteoarthritis, but we can manage it with uh, pharmacological therapy, that is the drugs, or we can manage it with non-pharmacological therapy. But first of all, we want to try non-pharmacological therapy. Basically, what that means is we try means of doing things that doesn't involve drugs. So the first non-pharmacological therapy that we use when we are managing OA is uh, education. We have to educate patients about the extent of the disease progression. Because the disease starts slowly, then it starts progressing. So as it progresses, the way we manage this change. And we have to prepare patients, we have to prepare people for what to expect. When you know what to expect in a situation, you can get yourself ready for it. You can find other ways of managing whatever side effect, whatever uncomfortable situation that is coming. So we have to educate patients about how this disease is going to progress. Apart from that, for people that are on the heavier side, the best way to go about it is diet and exercise. We have to use dietary and uh, weight control to manage the disease. So if one is able to shed or uh, lose a few pounds and watch the food, that can help with the weight-bearing uh, joints of the body.
Other than diet and weight loss, we can do exercise. This helps to maintain and restore joint range of motion. So when we, it doesn't have to be, oh, 30 hours of gym, you know, we can just like take a walk. When it comes to exercise, I just start like, start slow, go slow. You don't have to follow other people's way of doing things. Normally, I, when I try to walk, I just take a slow walk. I walk like 30 minutes and I go back home. Some people run, some people walk, some people ride bike. Whatever works for us is what we, we should do. We shouldn't have to be pressured to do what other people are doing. So the exercise helps to restore the joint range of motion. It also reduces the pain and uh, muscle spasm due to the inflammation that is going on around the joint. That's what uh, exercise does for us. So when we have tried exercise and we have tried diet and we have tried education and we're still having problems, the other means that people try that are non-pharmacological means, surgery. But surgery is going to be the last resort. I think before we go into surgery, people will probably try pharmacological therapy first. But these are some of the surgery that we do is based on people that are unable to function effectively or not responding to uh, pharmacological therapy. So basically, if you are using medication and it's not working effectively, then we look into surgery. Some of the surgical procedure that is available out there, joint fusion, osteotomy, and the arthropathy. These are some of the surgery that is available to help manage the pain and the inflammation due to OA. So for pharmacological therapy, that means the drug. The drug is targeted at the pain relief. The main purpose of using the medication is to help control the pain and also to help control the inflammation. So for the mild to moderate pain, we use topical cream. We can use the topical cream. You can use the balm. You can use an ointment. Example of the creams and the ointment and the balms that we can use are glucosamine, chondroitin. These are the natural substance that is found in our joint. So sometimes when the ones in our joint is not functioning well, we can supplement with uh, glucosamine chondroitin. Some over-the-counter medication contains some of this. Another topical product that can be used is capsaicin. These are localized effect. Basically, what localized effect means is that it doesn't really absorb into your bloodstream. It doesn't absorb into your system. It's just topical at that particular uh, localized area. That's what, how this one works. Other than uh, capsaicin, we can also use Pensed and we can also use uh, Votarin gel. The Pensed and, and Votarin gel, these are topical, what we call non-steroidal anti-inflammatory product. These are examples like diclofenac. They are anti-inflammatory, but you, you use it topically. Other than that, for the pain, we can also use uh, acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. The brand name is Tylenol. But we want to make sure when we use Tylenol or acetaminophen or paracetamol, as it, it might be known in uh, Europe or other parts of the world, 
we want to make sure we are not exceeding four grams per day because over four grams can, per day, that could result what we call liver damage. So we do not want to exceed four grams of Tylenol per day. Apart from that, other medication that people buy over the counter contain Tylenol as well. Sometimes it contains, say, your cough medicine or your cold medicine. Sometimes they have additive additional Tylenol in them. So we have to be very careful to make sure we don't exceed that four grams. So for patients with inflammation, uh, like uh, the topical ones are for the pain. For the inflammation, we can use the oral non-steroidal anti-inflammatory products. Those are NSAIDs. The NSAID examples of NSAIDs, ibuprofen, naproxen, meloxicam. But for this non-selective, the ibuprofen, meloxicam, naproxen, these are what we call non-selective. So basically, it means it can bind to any receptor in, in the system that, that binds to do, those particular drugs. They are not selective. And some of the reasons why we, are, we try to be careful when we use products like that is that they tend to have side effects of GI gastrointestinal bleeding. There's a potential for gas, gastrointestinal bleeding with NSAIDs like ibuprofen and meloxicam. Or especially for people that have history of ulcers, those that have history of ulcers, we have to be careful when they are using medication like that. So sometimes for those, those patients in that population or for the elderly that have a risk of a GI, gastrointestinal bleeding, they can combine or uh, have a combination product like uh, maybe uh, add uh, what we call proton pump inhibitors. The proton pump inhibitors, those are like uh, your omeprazole, like prilose. What that does is help in the lining of the womb, so uh, your stomach, really. So when it helps in the lubricating lining of your intestine, that prevents the GI bleeding. But we still got to be careful when we are using NSAID. Other product that we use is also an NSAID, but it's a selective NSAID. That is a cause to selective inhibitors. These are your Celebrex. The Celebrex kind of a little better than the ibuprofen because they are selective. They don't just bind to everything. They bind specifically to a specific receptor. But they also have their own side effects as well. So the side effects, for the uh, selective uh, NSAID, like Celebrex, the, the rate of uh, GI bleeding or ulcer is lower in those products. The rate of GI or ulcer is lower for Celebrex because it's selective. But the side effect that comes with that, there's the potential for uh, cardiovascular side effect, like uh, for people with uh, heart disease, they have to be very careful, like uh, myocardial infection, like, uh, you know, strokes, heart attack, and things like that. So basically, for people with heart disease, they have to be a little bit careful when they are using products like Celebrex. So other than uh, NSAID, the other part of a drug that we also use are the steroids. The steroids, the corticosteroids are NSAID too. The corticosteroids, I mean, the corticosteroids are exactly what we call them. They are steroids. 
and they are the most effective uh, ways of treating inflammation. So when we use steroid, we're using it not just, not for the pain, we are using it for inflammation. But we also have to be careful because a longer use of a steroid can result in other side effects, like you can have uh, other major side effects when it comes, especially when you use the injection, steroid injection. So we have to be very, very careful. It causes uh, increase in weight and a whole bunch of other endocrine side effects. So we want to be careful when we are using steroid injection as well. Other than steroid injection, we have what we call hyaluronic acid injection. The hyaluronate, they are natural product that is found in our joint. These are naturally found in around the cartilage, but when as we go older and we age and this cartilage wears out, the hyaluronic acid that is supposed to help in the synovial fluid with lubrication, it reduces. So what does hyaluronic acid do? It provides lubrication and uh, reduce shock. It's kind of like a shock absorber and helps to reduce us from falling when we wrap, move fast. Like you want, you're walking and suddenly turn or twist. What helps you to not break your, your leg or break your bone is the synovial fluid and the hyaluronic acid that is in that joint. So when we have a reduced level in our body, there's a potential to break our bone. So now they are having it in form of uh, injection so people can have injection. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard there are a lot of other topical products that are now being supplemented with hyaluronic acid. And uh, at WCI Health, some of our products that we are about to launch in the uh, Glow's Beauty lines are going to have uh, hyaluronic acid. So we will be launching those products towards the end of June. So you need to stay tuned for, for those products. So what does that do? It's, been, it's a kind of supplement. It supplements uh, what your body does not have. So after using all these other products and we're still going through pain, we're still going through inflammation, the other alternative that people tend to go to is the opioid. And basically opioids, what that does is help with the pain. When the pain becomes severe, opioids like uh, oxycodone, hydrocodone, uh, hydromorphone, fentanyl, these are some other alternatives that patients are left with. But as we all know, there's a risk of uh, opioid addiction or opioid overdose that it's been so many issues with opioid of late. So everybody is trying to reduce the level of opioid and we are trying to you get a safer alternatives to, to patients. So having said that, so what do we do? How does cannabis, cannabinoid products, how are they able to help in, in, this, in this field for patients? That, uh, that have tried all these other alternatives and they're still having problems. How can cannabis help? Cannabinoids have been shown to reduce pain associated with uh, osteoarthritis. One of the number one reasons why people use cannabis is for pain. It's been documented for generations, for, for years and years and years, centuries ago. They've been using cannabinoid-based products the doctor were prescribing it for their, for their patients for, to treat uh, fibromyalgia, 
and people were using uh, cannabinoid product for childbearing pain. So it's also used in the pain of uh, osteoarthritis. According to studies that was done, THC is said to have 20 times anti-inflammatory properties of NSAID. NSAIDs are the ibuprofen. And like I said earlier, those are like the, the gold standard when you are trying to treat inflammation. The gold standard are the steroids and the ibuprofen. Those are the NSAIDs. And we have found out, studies have found out that THC has a 20 times anti-inflammatory properties compared to uh, ibuprofen. That is like seriously like 20 times. That is major for real. This is major. So it's been found. And for the corticosteroids like hydrocortisone, prednisones, which are like the big guns when it comes to inflammation, THC was found to be two times the power of uh, steroids. So it has an anti-inflammatory uh, property that is twice that of steroid and 20 times that of ibuprofen. That is huge. I don't know why we are not having research more into this product. Other than that, CBD is found to minimize destruction of the joint in rats and mice. Basically, CBD has been found in studies to reduce the destruction of the joint in, in animal studies. If it's doing that in the animal studies, how about we try it uh, in a human, human being and, and see? I mean, we really don't need studies to validate all this anecdotal word of mouth. People say, oh, I've used it. It works. That's anecdotal uh, testimony. So we really don't need to try that. Cannabinoid is also said to improve the symptoms of osteoarthritis like stiffness, mobility, and range of motion. So we have a cannabinoid product that is helping with mobility, range of motion, and the stiffness, which is the main symptom that is seen in all this uh, CB, uh, in, uh, in osteoarthritis. And other than that, the other symptom that comes as a side effect of having this uh, disease like osteoarthritis, say like depression, uh, CBD, THC, they've all been proven, the serotonin, to, to help with people suffering from depression. So apart from helping with the pain, it can also help with the sleep disorder. It can also help with, with mood like depressive episode. So we really don't need to we really don't need more studies to look into all these claims. And that is our show for today. I'm so glad that you guys were able to hang out. Thank you guys so so much. For those of you that are yet to subscribe to the show, please go to Apple Podcast, Spotify and you can go to our website wci-health.com. We have a page there where you can just uh, click and you have your subscription. Also, we totally need your support. Join our Patreon group. Go to our website. We have a Patreon group. Donate so we can continue with this show. And like I said earlier uh, on the show, this show is sponsored by WCI Health. Be on the lookout for WCI Health uh, Glow's Beauty Lines of Health. Uh, hair and cosmetics product. Apart from the hair and the cosmetics and the beauty product, 
we are also going to be launching our pet pet products. So we have for your pets, like uh, your cats, your dogs, other uh, uh, ferrets, all of them. We have a shampoo for them. It's coming soon. It's going to be launching at the end of uh, June. So please do stay tuned. And like I said, thank you so much at WCI Health. We help people get and stay well using the healing powers of botanical, uh, such as cannabinoid. And until next time, remember health equals well. See ya. Have a good one. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. Support the show by becoming a patron and donating on our Patreon page or on our website. For more information, visit our website at www.wci-health.com. 